This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And that little luscious devil is sitting right side me here in the studio. Across from me as well is James Patrick Dooley. And are you hearing anything there? I'm not. No, I'm not hearing any darn thing. Hmm? Is... Is Frank on? Am I oh, on the there? Go. Hello. I purposely turned Frank's mic off. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> so I can't we're away hear to go. Frank okay. at all? I can't hear myself you, either. Oh, there it's going in and out. Uh, ah, yeah. now let me start all over again. Well, hello there, and welcome to Charlie Dobbin's okay, show, here. the Garden Show. Yes. And that luscious little uh, luscious Canadian little beauty devil I've, I've given said. you. In, <laughs> yeah, is right beside me in the studio. Come right on. across from me is the voice you will hear when you call. The following numbers: James Patrick Dooley, four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, we pick up the tab one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And our mantra, of course, call early, call often. One question per call, and uh, let James know if you are indeed a first-time caller, and you will be greeted uh, before your airtime with wonderful wind chimes. It's before your debut. Yes, yes. Your Ooh. live debut. Exactement. Uh, okay, and remember my email address. Oh, gosh, yeah. C.dobbin at mzmedia.com. So if you have any questions that we can't handle here on the radio or photos you want to send me to identify things, I will do my best via email. All right? Good. Okay. All right. I have been getting quite a few email actually lately. I've answered some of them directly because it was just seemed easier to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I did bring a couple with me, which maybe we can get to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it all right with you if I go on to my um Well, after all, it is your show. I know, but sometimes you In like name to only, control but... <laughs> it. <laughs> so did you have a plan right now or can I go no, ahead? No, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fully fleshed out yet. Okay, well, you get back to the drawing board on your plan. <laughs> I will come up with some things to share. One is today from 9 o'clock until 3 p.m. Get out to the Guelph Trial Garden and see plants that are being trialed, okay? So this is plants you you have you may not have ever seen before, and they're all named. So these are annual flowers. These are vegetables, perennials, but they are growing. That You can touch them, feel them, smell them. 
uh, mm. you know, see how they've performed this summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, this helps a lot when planning for future years. Many of the retailers use the trial gardens as a place to go and do their research prior to signing contracts to buy or, you know, have grown what they want to sell next spring. So it's kind of a cool thing. And, of course, it's all open to the public today at the University of Guelph, uh, 328 Victoria Road South. This is located along the entrance to the Guelph Turfgrass Institute. The trial garden is 1,400 square meters of growing space, allowing gardeners to see what flowers and plants perform best in southwestern Ontario's climate. It's the only university-operated ornamental trial garden in Ontario and is part of a network of research centres across North America set up to determine which plants grow higher and fuller, bloom quicker, uh, stand up in extreme weather conditions, and resist common plant diseases. So that's exactly what it is. It's all over North America. Everybody's growing the exact same plants mm-hmm. and keeping track because that's part of it. It's a research project. Um, now, if you love geraniums, now I'm talking the annual geraniums, the, you know, the big round red typically. I know, Frank, I know what a geranium looks like. I'll yes, ha- I do. I'll Google do. a geranium for you. <laughs> Looking at me. You're, you're, do you know what a geranium looks like, really? Yes, I do. Okay, explain It's, it it's about uh, that big around. <laughs> <laughs> It's radio. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, oh. I forgot momentarily. (laughs) Okay, he really doesn't. You can can wear one in your lapel. (laughs) Those are carnations. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay, James is really shaking his head. Okay, James, what does a geranium look like? Is it a bunch of small little flowers that make up a bigger flower? Kind of little red, petally looking things? Yeah, yeah. And they come in red. They come in pink. They come in white. He stole stole my script. (laughs) I didn't know this was a scripted part of the show. <laughs> All right. Clearly, Frank needs to listen to this next announcement. Because I need to listen to the show. Is what I <laughs> if you love geraniums or you want to know what a geranium is, uh, you can head on over to the Toronto Botanical Gardens tomorrow for the <clears throat> annual flower show presented by the Geranium Society of Ontario. It's open to the public from 1 until 4 p.m., Prepare to have your socks blown off. <laughs> well, hey, you can see I don't have any on. There I'm wearing, you are. I'm wearing sandals this morning. Wow, that's going to hurt. <laughs> all right. Okay, as we all giggle and fall off our chairs, shall we go to a break or shall I go oh, to a break? Oh, I think we better email? go to a break. I really do. I, I'll give you those phone numbers one more time. 416. 416- Three six zero zero seven forty in Toronto, and then anywhere else in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And honestly, we shall return, but be a little more serious because we've got uh, several folks waiting online to talk to Charlie. Okay, back in a couple of moments. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM and 740. The chef, oh my gosh, we've started in a wrong fashion already. Right. Uh, I never said who Still I was. Giggling. Oh, oh, hi. oh well, I I think everybody knows. Uh, I think it's well documented. Uh, Franklin Proctor here, uh, alongside Charlie Dobbin, who is ready to talk to Brenda in Dundas, who's been very patient. Good morning, Brenda. 
Good morning, you two. Uh, please keep on giggling. We love it. Oh, <laughs> well, it's funny. You're calling about euphorbia, I believe. <laughs> I had a case um, of that last you know week. What, Sally, I've got my books out, and I think I've got the wrong name. Oh, what is it, it then? It's a, a cushion spurge. Oh, yeah, no, spurge is euphorbia. Yeah, there's a lot of kinds of euphorbia. Okay, it's, this one's like round and mounded. Green leaves, yellow in the spring. That's it, and, yep. and the leaves turn red, lovely red yep. color. lovely. <clears throat> well, usually in September it starts to die back. Mm-hmm. But this year, oh, about three weeks ago, I noticed the leaves were turning and curling over and going all brittle. Mm. So I cut those off, and eventually I had to cut the whole plant down. And when I got to the middle, right near the earth, do you call that the rootstock? The crown, actually. The the crown, okay. Um, It was soft and and almost mushy, Mm. and it came right out of the ground. It was obviously dead. Rotted. Rotted, okay. So what do you think might have caused that? Too much moisture. Not not well enough drained soil with all the water we've been getting. Oh. And I think you've been getting more water than we've even been getting in Toronto. In well, the we did get a lot for a while. I, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and some of us, I mean, if your soil is quite a clay soil, it holds the moisture for long periods of time. And yeah. this, plants like euphorbia are actually better in a very well-drained soil. They're, they're often used for their drought tolerance. Okay. So right. it's that moisture sitting there, sitting there, and then, you know, never dries out, more rain comes, you know, more moisture, and well, before I, you know it, the whole I, thing I've rots. Been, I've been amending the soil, as you suggested, Good. a couple of years years ago and I make sure there's some mulch in there as well do you think it would help if I put some peat moss in there not necessarily. No. It, how is your soil? Is it quite a heavy soil? Or no, it's not too bad. It was, but not now. It's, all, it's nice and crumbly now. Oh, good. And do you compost yourself? Do you make compost? I make my own, yeah, and Excellent. I buy as well. Yeah. So um, every spring and or fall, top dress the entire garden, minimum half inch of a you know highly organic material like the compost you're making or buying. Yeah. And then if you mulch your gardens in the spring to keep, or late spring, to keep the weeds down and, you know, help mm. minimize the amount of maintenance required, just mm. always remember that the mulch should never touch the plants. So that okay. when we put our... Yeah, I do yeah, I try to remember that. Yeah, two to four inches of kind of a crushed bark mulch. Just remember that, yeah, it's, that's so important, particularly when it's so this wet. When, when I'm watering, when, it's, when it is hot and sunny mm. and I'm watering, mm-hmm. should I maybe avoid and just not give it any water? For this year, do you think it survived? Like, is it alive or... No, it's gone. It's gone. So if you're going to replace it, and it's a lovely plant to replace, uh, do consider it needs full sun. Look, maybe plant it a little bit higher than the actual level of the ground, than the the level of the garden is now. If you're going to mend the soil to contribute to some drainage, consider a little bit of uh, sand. Um, oh, okay. You know, like construction sand, not not play sand, not the no, really no. fine stuff, but a real, almost a gravelly sand. Uh, oh, and I, I use leaves a lot in my garden in the fall. Leaves, again, just to contribute to that drainage. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll try all that. All right. So it's all right to put another one in the same place then. Sounds like if, if, it, if it did fine for a number of years, just like it's I say. It's been there for a few years. Yeah, then. plant it a little higher and, and look to, to help with the drainage a little first. Okay, I'll do that. Thank all you. Right. Thanks for your call. Thank right. you so much, Brenda. And... Uh, Here's a lovely name. I don't think we've had a call from uh, this lady before. Milana in Cambridge. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, go I ahead. Have, sorry? Yes, go ahead. I have, um, I planted a bunch of heirloom tomato plants, mm-hmm. and they did amazingly well. They were about, you know, uh, four feet high, branching out, bushy, flowering, setting fruit. And then one by one, they 
looked like they were wilting as if the water, if they didn't have enough water, but the soil wasn't dry. Um, and now they're all hanging, all wilty looking, although the fruit on them that had set appears to be continuing to to grow. Uh-huh. But they're not setting any flowers. No. <clears throat> so this is a, you bring up a really interesting point. It sounds to me there are two very common diseases. <clears throat> One is called fusarium. The other is called verticillium. Both of them attack the inside of the tomato plant and cause the entire plant to wilt as you're experiencing and turn yellow and ultimately die. Those wilt diseases do not affect the fruit, but of course they limit your, your actual ultimate harvest because they kill the plant and you only get the fruit that was on when the, the disease attacked. This is the issue, I mean, I don't want to be anti-heirloom because I know there's some huge collectors out there and they love the challenge, but heirloom varieties are very, mostly, <clears throat> very susceptible to very common diseases, which is one of the reasons why we, some of the selections and cultivars we now grow are so popular because they are resistant to fusarium and verticillium wilt. Ah. So that's the bottom line. I know. Interesting, eh? So that, you know, heirlooms are are fun and neat and interest, often really tasty, but they have extra challenges because they are, like I say, more susceptible. So when you are buying tomatoes or growing from seed next spring, look for the the letters VFN, capital V, capital F, capital N, which stands for verticillium, fusarium, and nematode resistant. Is there there any limitations on my planting some tomatoes? Um, if I get this um, this resistant variety um, in the same spot? It shouldn't be a problem unless you've planted tomatoes there for the last five or ten years. Then you will notice that your quality and quantity of your crop will drop just by virtue of the, the um, depletion of the soil. Yeah, this year I had moved them into a, into a fresh space. Yeah. Yep. The other thing I have is I, my neighbor has a large black walnut. Mm-hmm although it's about um, probably 50 feet away, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a huge tree. And, um, you know, I I had grown tomatoes successfully, so I didn't assume there was any issue with juglone. Yeah, I mean, if it's a huge tree, remember the way it works. You look to the canopy of the tree, and you look to the drip line, so the outside tips of the branches, and you know that the roots go, the, the feeding roots go to at least that point, if not beyond. In many cases, they go beyond that. And the the juglone that you're referring to is a chemical that the plant, the walnuts actually exude from their roots, setting up a, an environment in the soil to make it a little bit uncomfortable for other plants to grow because they want to be the kings and queens of the, the world, and they don't want to allow anything else to grow. It's all about them, right? Very narcissistic plants. And uh, so, um, but, you know, by the time you're 50 feet away, any amount I would think of juggling is pretty low, uh, um, you know, um, concentration. And remember as well, when we're growing tomatoes, we want to amend our soil with really good quality compost, composted manure, that sort of thing. And that will also help with uh, eliminating the juggling issue. Well, thank you very much. Okay. You're very welcome. Very interesting stuff there. Uh, Milana from Cambridge there. Yeah, did you know and, that about walnuts? No, I, no I'm fascinated <clears throat> by that. That that 
those little devils. I mean, they're big devils. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're big guys. Yeah, yeah. They uh, but get, they, they are bullies. They I mean, are. they want they want the neighborhood all they, of themselves. They, yeah. t- they claim it. Yep. They're the crypts of the of the <laughs> vegetative word. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> no. How do you, know? yeah. <laughs> you the get the idea. Top of the pops. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay, you know what, though? We're, no, we're what at uh, though? 9.23, mm-hmm. and we have to take a little bit of a break, but I know we're going to take a little trip to Hamilton in just a couple of moments to speak to Aubrey. But uh, let's take a little break here and give Charlie enough time to just reform her thoughts because she hasn't been exactly clear this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> well, well, okay. Maybe I've diagnosed someone else in the studio, not, not Charlie. <laughs> it's that euphorbia yes, okay, again. Yeah. You're getting that the, euphorbia I've got thing again. Euphorbia again. <laughs> All right, back in a moment. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, uh, the old sous chef of the garden oh, here. Oh, you're not yeah, old. old. Well, no, I'm not. No, not I'm, at I'm all. certainly young at heart. Truly. Uh, that, that Look is at true. you. You don't even have socks on. <laughs> Oh, here they we go. got blown off. Here, <laughs> four, here are the numbers, folks. Uh, Charlie said, now, when you come back, just give the phone numbers. I'm trying to do that. Okay. Try to do my job. Okay. And, look at you. You're Get jabbing in. 416-360-0740. That's for Toronto area callers. Then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I think people should just put the numbers into the memory of their phones. Or up in the, on the fridge. Yeah. And yeah. then it's just there. Exactly. You got a question, you want to talk to Frank, then you just call anytime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Aubrey in Hamilton anxious to talk to you, I'm sure. Hey, good morning, Aubrey. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Very great. great. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Uh, the reason for my call, mm. I for about four, maybe five years now, I've had this watermelon punch follicles. Uh, it was in one garden. It started to uh, get a mildew on it. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So, mildew. so what is it again? You said watermelon? A watermelon punch follicles. But it's an actual watermelon punch follicles. I don't know what it is. It... Uh, summer follicles. It's a follicles plant. Okay. Oh, flux, uh, flux, flux. My, my, flux. P-H-L-O-X. Yep, flux. Oh, wow. Pardon me for pronouncing No, no words. I just wanted to be clear what we're talking about. Yes. You just that, joined my club. <laughs> hey, there we go. Exactly. With the geraniums, I'm with you, Frank. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, what happened is the powdery mildew was in the one section, so then last year I moved it. Now, mm-hmm. Pardon me, two years ago I moved it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is at the beginning of the year, instead of the strong uh, green color, uh, powdery mildew starts and the leaves at the bottom of the plants start to die off, to not die off or die down. Yep. Uh, and but the 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 the, the buds and the flowers still fantastic. Hmm. But it just looks terrible. By Below, the time. yeah, the whole bottom foot or so, because they do. Most flocks will get eighteen inches, two feet tall. So tell me, how much sun is this flocks in? Uh, I moved it, and yeah, then this location that it is in mm-hmm. now gets a uh, good morning sun, uh, early afternoon. Okay, so it's so early in the day. So it might be six hours, but it's early in the day, six hours. That's correct. Uh, and so, okay, powder, it's a great question because many of us do struggle with powdery mildew on phlox. Um, of course, Frank is nodding his head going, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, <clears throat> 
I, I will Google this and show him later. But um, phlox is a favorite garden plant. It's a perennial plant with bright pink flowers, orange flowers, white flowers. So really, you know, and it's a sort of a late summer bloomer. So it really perks up our, our late summer gardens. But it is the older varieties. This almost goes back to the, the tomato collar that we were just talking to, Milana. Right. Some of the heirloom varieties are the older varieties of phlox typically many of them are more susceptible to getting the powdery mildew. So that's that looks like somebody shook baby powder on top of the plant. So it's got that white fuzzy surface on the leaves. Two things you can do to try and minimize uh, minimize the mildew. One is maximize your sunshine. So the more sun, the better. Uh, Avoid Well, three things, I guess. Avoid watering the plants late in the day. Can't do anything about the rain, but certainly keep, never get your hose out or your watering can out uh, anytime after noon when it comes to flocks. Only water them early in the day so they're nice and dry before the sun sets. Okay. And the third thing is when you're sighting them or transplanting, put them in the most open, airy spot you can. So good air circulation, wind blowing through, Will help lower the incidence of phlox um, actually growing because it, you know it's a it's a fungus right and it grows on the surface. Right. The okay. other thing is you could say, <clears throat> okay, I love this plant, but I don't love this mildew it gets every year. Um, in your case, you said good flowers, so consider planting in something in front of the plant that will cover <clears throat> those leaves. This time of year, um, right. you know, even the euphorbia that our first caller Brenda called about, euphorbia is a lovely spring plant. It's a great fall plant. It's a nice in-between green filler, grows 18 inches, 16 inches tall, cover the ugly base of the flocks. Or toss the flocks you've got, get one of the new varieties, which are completely resistant to powdery mildew. And euphorbia, please, for spelling. E-U-P-H-O-R, B as in Bob, I-A. A. Euphorbia. Thank you or both sp- very much. Spurge. Spurge is the common name. Spurge, okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. So both of you have a nice weekend. Hey, thank, thank you, Aubrey. You too. Take care. Always welcome here at the Garden Show from AM 740. Yeah. The best, the only, and sometimes the unexpected. <laughs> uh, yeah, and when well, you're here. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I suppose so. <laughs> Cheryl is uh, calling in from uh, Sunderland. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Great. That's good. Next time I'm on the way to Lindsay, I'll pop in and say hi. Okay, okay. you do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, the reason I'm calling, my son gave me a standard hibiscus for Mother's Day, and the leaves, not at the very top. The top is fine, mm-hmm. but from the bottom up, all the leaves on the branches have all gone yellow, and they're falling off. Even the brand-new leaves are turning yellow and falling. Okay, now... How often are you watering that plant? Uh, I water it every other day. Okay. And is it sitting, does it, um, I'm just wondering if it's sitting in water. Does it have a, a saucer below? Can you see that the water goes through and it sits in the saucer and it, it's still wet the next day or two days later? Yeah. No, it's in a, I put it in a large container uh-huh. and it's outside and it's in the sun and I have a, you know the little machine just stick in the mm-hmm. to check the soil. Yeah, moisture and meter. And it usually says dry when I water it. Okay. And when you feel, I it... don't know. I have strawberry plants around the outside of it, mm-hmm. just so that you know it wouldn't be a big open space yeah. because it's a large container. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of blossoms on it. At the top, it's beautiful. Yeah. 
Mm. But from maybe four inches down, it's all bald now. Okay. So what maybe, okay, so my first thought was too much water. But if the strawberries are doing fine and green and perking along with flowers and fruit, then my next thought would be insects. So you need to get out your magnifying glass and you Uh need to look very closely at the hibiscus leaves that are still on the plant, starting with a yellow leaf. So you're going to look at the back of the leaf. You're going to look for any bumps or raised protuberances. Well, I've uh, looked and I can't see anything. Okay, do you have? I've, I've looked really as close as I can, mm-hmm. and it no, they just seem to be going yellow, even the brand new ones. Right. Um, okay, and then the other. Th- okay, so do you have a magnifying glass? Could you look with? I some- do have. Yes. Yeah. So use that. Like I know, to the naked eye, sometimes we can't see some of the things that are going on. The other um, insect. It's not even an insect. It's a tiny, tiny spider called a spider mite. That you won't see even with a regular magnifying glass. You need a pretty high-powered one. But you will see webbing. If you have spider mites on the plant, you, you get yourself on one side of the plant with the sun on the other side and the plant in between. And you get down and you look for webbing that's crossing between where there's a crotch. So wherever there's a leaf and the stem come together, you've got a little V notch there. If there's spider mites, you will see very fine webbing right across between a leaf and a stem uh, or a flower, you know, even a flower stem and another. And if you have spider mites, then it is uh, quite tricky to try and eliminate them. Um, you could, if you want, just spray on principle, but what you'd be spraying with would probably not kill mites anyway. But if you had aphids, that would kill them. And it's, it's certainly worth a try. There, there's something out there, <clears throat> I believe it's still out there under the name of called End All, E-N-D-A-L-L. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's a, both pyrethrin and canola oil-based spray. And it will eliminate mites if you follow the instructions right to the letter. Uh-huh. And never I spray. I bring it in in the fall. That's right. And so, overwinter it, right. but I'm afraid it might, uh, will it infect all my house plants? It could, if it's got uh, an insect, particularly if it's got mites. Yeah, you definitely want to make sure it is insect-free if you're bringing it in. And it's, they're beautiful. I mean, like you said, it was given as a gift. It's a beautiful plant, you know, very heartwarming and, and fun to have every year. So yeah. you want to do everything in your power to make sure it's healthy before winter hits. So get yourself out to a garden center or one of the home stores. Look for this product called End All and um, follow the instructions. Make sure you do not spray at high noon when the sun is shining on the plant. Uh Preferably spray early in the day when the plant is in the shade. Okay. Okay. I'll do the very best, and I really appreciate your help. Oh, my pleasure. Cheryl, before you go, I hadn't noticed. uh, James had put up a little note here saying first-timer. And, gosh, I don't want you to go away without the wind chimes. Okay. (laughs) You have your wings. where they were. There they are. There they are. Okay. You see, Charlie had me in hysterics, and Thank you. I just I just lost track of what I was oh, doing, which oh, hardly ever happens. His feet are cold, probably. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much for all your help. Okay. okay. Take care, and thank you for joining us on The Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio, broadcasting live and direct from the Zoomerplex in mm-hmm. Liberty Village. Well, hey, we've got a couple of calls coming in from Richmond Hill. Let's take the first, and that would be from Betty. Good morning, Betty. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I have called you once before, and you were very helpful. Great. Um, I have a very small flower bed in my front garden, Mm -hmm. and um, in the ice storm, we lost a big tree. Mm -hmm. And now it is getting so much sun Mm -hmm. that the plants have just all taken over. So (laughs) I want want to enlarge it a bit. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm wondering, when would be the best time to sort of rearrange the plants? So do you actually want to in, uh, increase the actual border, the, the size of the, the garden? Yeah. Okay. Good timing to ask this question, actually, because it's a really good time to do it now. Oh, is it? Yeah, no, it, it, it kind of comes down to how patient you are of a gardener and how big your budget is. See, mm-hmm. when, when I'm enlarging a garden, right around now is when I start thinking about it because I'm going to actually plant my enlarged garden next spring, but I start my enlarging process now. But I want to use a lot of the plants that are already there. Yep, you'll just leave them all there right now, assuming that that the enlarging is is taking the perimeter, you're going to move the border out from where it currently is. What I will do often is just get out my lawnmower uh, or first lay out a hose or a rope or a, a cord so mm-hmm. I've got my, know what my shape is of my garden. I've got it all laid out there with the hose delineating the new size and shape of the garden. Yeah. Once I've got that figured out and I've looked at it from all angles and I'm comfortable with that's going to be it, then it's getting out the lawnmower, lowering it to its lowest possible level mowing that lawn, I'm assuming it's lawn that you've got there, so mowing the lawn where that new garden is going to be, super short. Right. Then you've got that super short lawn. Then you get out your edger and you cut the edge where that new border or perimeter will be on the new garden. Mm -hmm. And at that point... If depending on how big the the amount of sod is that you're going to be taking out, what I'll often do is I'll just slice under that sod that I want to kill or that you know new area, flip the sod upside down so it's green side down instead of green side up, and then uh, you could even at that point uh, put some manure on top, put some compost on top, and then just let it be from now until next spring. Um, a layer of newspaper in between just to make sure that the grass does not grow. Mm-hmm. And by next spring, all that turf has, comp- has decomposed. You've got great topsoil. You're ready to plant. If you say, no, 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 I want to do this all this, I want to do it beginning to end this weekend, then it's, you have to do all that up to the point of instead of flipping the turf, actually taking the turf out, out and bringing in new soil and then doing your redesign of your but, garden. Um, I want to transplant mm-hmm. a lot of the plants because, as I say, mm-hmm. uh, in the ice storm, we lost our mm-hmm. tree. So now it is getting so much more sunshine. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, after you've do- after you've got that new garden, you know, made, the soil is there, it's ready to go, the size is correct, the shape is correct. Then it's just a matter of going in and lifting and dividing and and transplanting anything within that bed. Oh, so and I'm f- not going to kill them if I move them. Not at all. No, and fall is a wonderful time to transplant. The soil is nice and warm. The plants are you know, absolutely thrilled with the idea of being moved and particularly being divided if they're overcrowded. Yeah, they are very overcrowded. Mm. It's mm. just that, you know, right now it's beautiful. They're all in flower and oh, well. I thought that if they're in flower, you shouldn't move them. Well, so what, are, what kind of plants are they? Sounds like maybe there's some phlox in there. What else? There's some phlox, mm-hmm. there's hosta, mm-hmm. and there's a miniature buddleia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're not going to divide that, okay. Um, which is very beautiful this year, mm-hmm. and Campanella, mm-hmm. and then there's a, a sort of a yellow daisy, which I don't know the name of, okay. and Sedum. All right, okay. So, all right, so because so many of those are late-season su- late plants, yeah, uh, you may want to actually do your div- digging, dividing, uh, transplanting next spring. 
just oh, when wow. they're starting to show, right? Just when they're like hosta are so easy to dig and divide in the spring, just when their little noses are coming through the soil. Okay. And, and they're just, you can see there's, you know, might be, it was one plant, it's now 10 plants because you see 10, ten little noses. Yeah, so you just dig that whole mess up, get out your sharp knife, chop it all up into 10 separate plants, and plant them in 10 different spots if you want. And what about the flocks? Uh, you can do the exact same thing with the flocks in the spring. And it's nice to do it in the spring because, as you point out, they're blooming now. Okay, so if I make the flower bed now, mm-hmm. it would I could do it all in the spring. Exactly. Oh, thanks very much, You're Charlie. Very welcome. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your Thank call, you, Betty. Betty. Bye. All righty. And we have arrived at that point when we must take another little break here at AM 740 Zoomer Radio. But we will be back with uh, other callers. In fact, uh, Gina patiently waiting in which Richmond Hill uh, for the clearance to go. So we'll get that clearance in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And sous chef of the uh, Garden Show. Oh, here's here, here we go. Johnny Mathis about to welcome another caller to the line. And talk to Charlie after. Gina. Hello, Gina in Richmond Hill. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, that's, that was lovely. Good morning. Okay, good morning, guys. Uh, my question is, uh, I have a boxwood, a beautiful um, border boxwood mm-hmm. around uh, my front entrance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just need to know if it's okay to trim it back now because I haven't done so in the past two years and it's really desperately need to be shaped. Hmm. So you can do it now, but now is not optimal. Because if you trim it now, you will encourage new growth, and it is the middle of August. So to encourage new growth on a broadleafed evergreen in the middle of August means new tender little shoots will start to sprout. And as soon as we get our first cold, you know, the cold and the wind and the, oh, I hate to say that W word, but that winter arrives, the, the new growth, because it's tender, is likely to die in the frost. So your best time to trim, particularly if you want to do a proper real shaping on a boxwood hedge, is when it's actively growing, which was back in June, late June. In this case, it was late June. Usually it's kind of mid-June. And that's your best time to really do anything radical. So for now, you could do it if, you know, you've got perhaps a light shearing, but I I wouldn't do anything too dramatic to it. Okay. Okay. But hold those nice sharp pruners or shears till next you know, like I say, early to mid or even late June, and then you can really cut back the whole thing to a, a, by a third. But for now, I wouldn't do the whole third removal. If you want to do, you know, a smaller percentage, you could just to clean it up, make it look a little better for the winter. Okay. 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 Thanks, Thanks for your call. Okay. Have Bye. a great day, Gina. Thank you so much. And uh, we're having a garden party here, and you're always welcome. AM 740, That's as a matter of fact. That's a good point. That yeah, explains yeah. what we do here. Yeah. Really. We should, mean, as our themes, we yeah. should be playing Rick Nelson's you know, garden party. We call this the garden show, but we should just call it the garden party. Yeah, yeah you're we right. We could even dress for it. James can bring the booze. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, the refreshments. <laughs> well, we better get going here. Because, I, don't, I think hmm? most listeners would say we probably don't need that. That's probably <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, there is a lady on the line, first time caller. Here we go. There are the wind chimes. Welcome to the show. Valerie, welcome from Burlington. Hi, how are you this morning? Fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Um, I'm phoning about my peonies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, 
I bought two new peonies. I can't remember the names of them because it's they're up in my garden, my daughter's garden because I don't have a garden anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and one was bright red, mm-hmm. and it had in the in the very center like yellow mm-hmm. candy floss type stuff. Oh, okay. And the other one was white uh, with white in the middle. Okay. Now, when they died off, they had um, like seed pods on. Mm-hmm. Um, like four chubby fingers, right. which were like seed pods. Now, one of them opened, and there was little tiny seeds inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering whether I can try planting them and seeing if I can get little plants. Baby peonies. Uh, you could. I, off the top of my head, I have never planted peony from seed. But we know that it grows from a tuber. Yeah. And so I can just off the top of my head say that it would be a very slow process to probably grow a peony to bloom from seed. It would probably take years. Yeah. Uh, But it's still an interesting challenge if you wanted to try it. Yeah, because I picked the pods off Mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, I wonder if I can grow these from seed. Um, Because I love peonies and, and we've got several in the garden that I've purchased and put around the garden but I saw these last uh, this summer, and I bought them, and they were just absolutely gorgeous. So um, I thought, oh, I, I wonder if I can try. Because so, I've never seen them on the other peonies that okay. we have. I've just seen, I just saw them on these. And these are, are these are herbaceous peonies? These are peonies that die down every winter and yes. disappear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, and But you don't, you, you recently purchased them. They're in your daughter's yeah, garden. Yeah, I bought them in, um, in, um, one of the garden centers, uh, Terra Garden Center here in Burlington. Yeah, okay. And so I'm just wondering um, if, um, yeah, so you don't remember the names, you didn't keep no. the tags, anything like that. Okay, so I'll tell you what, uh, rather than give you information that might not be correct, let me look up uh, growing peonies from seed, herbaceous peonies from seed. Okay. And uh, see if... if you know, it's something right away. I can tell you that the seed will have to be mature. So the the pods you picked were they dry when you removed yes. them? Yeah. And when you open the pod, the seeds inside were black or brown? Yeah, black. Black Little and black seeds. Shiny. Yeah. Okay. And you've kept those somewhere. I've, I've kept them so that they stay dry. Right, dry, and preferably in a dark, dry location. Okay. Okay. And I will get back to you. They probably will need just thinking. You know, the uh, through peonies are originally from Asia, so they're going to need winter. So they're going to need that cold. Yeah. Before they're going to grow. Well, I I can put them. Um, I can put them in the fridge. Freezer. Mm, that's right. So that's where I, I'm going to let you know. We'll give you some details on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, now I may not be able to get to those details today, but no. I will do my best to get them top of the show next week. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much, Charlie. You're Enjoyed very welcome. The show. Thanks for Thank calling. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. And Bye-bye. and you know, uh, Charlie, with your uh, bent to talking. To your uh, plants and so oh, forth. Yes. No, but you do. Uh, it of course would be I do. A I threaten them more than anything. Yeah, it would be a good idea. Okay. Just in case, if Valerie knows Mandarin, she could, because it's an Asian thing, she could whisper a couple of words in Mandarin. Yeah. Maybe you make, could give some lessons. Take an orange. Take a, take a Mandarin orange instead of be. Am I going too far? Yes. I see. Yes. Okay. I'll take your word for that. Well, let's go Many, off. many huh? plants came, originally came from Asia. Many yeah, of the that's... plants that we grow. And, I mean, obviously some of them are, you know, you don't even think about it, but like beans and tomatoes, corn. Legumes? May we? They, yeah. may we. They were only here in North America. Like they, when the Europeans 
discovered North America. They discovered things like tomatoes and corn. And, well, how about that? Yeah. Well, okay. See they what you don't have, learn on the garden show. They My didn't gosh. have those things in Europe. I've also learned that she's kicking me under the table here. <laughs> that means we've got to take a break, which we will do coming up to 9.50 here on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And, uh, gee, to continue our theme since we last chatted, Mm -hmm. uh, Andy is on the line from Acton talking about planting Chinese garlic. Well, there you go. Hi, and good morning, Andy. Morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Hi. uh, Is there any uh, problem with uh, planting, like, store Chinese garlic? Yep. Uh, Would it affect the soil or anything? Nope. It won't affect the soil, but you know what's the problem with growing it? It probably won't grow. Okay. I have grown it in the past. Okay. The way you'll know, see, the trick is, and you're absolutely right, most of the garlic that we buy, the fresh garlic we buy in the grocery stores, is from China. They have become the biggest producers of garlic in the world. Now, understand that all these billions of garlic are harvested from the earth. They're put onto large ships, in you know, containers on large ships, and they're shipped over the ocean to North America into warehouses and, you know, sold through the wholesalers into the retailers. It is a very long process until it gets to the store where we buy it. Now, are they irradiated? Yes, to keep them from growing in that process because they are kept cool. They're kept refrigerated during their passage over the ocean, and they will start to grow as soon as they're refrigerated, which is why we never keep our garlic in the fridge. It all starts to grow. And so, yes, that to avoid the green sprouts emerging from the garlic, they are irradiated before they go on board ship. So okay, will they grow? Probably not. But there's no, no soil condition no. contamination? No. Okay, I had a big discussion with a person, and obviously they're, they're not right. Well, garlic is garlic, right? It's not, there's no, it's not like this garlic carries some bad thing with it. It's just that the, the radiation has been zapped into the center to kill the floral the, you know, the, the growing stem, which is way down in the center of the plant. It's got nothing to do with, with any kind of soil degradation or anything like that. But I'll tell you, I harvested my garlic last weekend, beautiful garlic, and I originally bought it from a garden center in Vermont, uh, and it was some organic Hungarian red rooster, whatever it was called, uh, red rock. Um, yeah, really cool garlic. And here I am all these years later still growing it, and it's so good. So I would suggest get yourself a hold of a really nice bulb. Like, do do your shopping. Get a really nice bulb, and then just keep it going every year. Well, I'm doing a comparison between, okay. like, hardneck mm-hmm. and, and store Chinese mm-hmm. Okay, garlic. try it. And, and they always get a bad rap. Okay, it may grow, but in most cases it won't because the growing tips have been killed. Well, thanks very much, Charlie. Yeah, okay. Andy, just a little question. That, that finger quotes discussion you had uh, with another person. Did you win the bet, yes? <laughs> the bet. Well, uh, <laughs> it was a heated discussion at the Lettertown Festival, and uh, just she, 
she had an opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you've proved yourself right. Well, that's a, it's an interesting thing. There's yeah. so much going on that is so opinion-based that it's, sometimes it's very hard to back Definitively uh, state yeah, with one scientific way or the other. Facts. I mean, there's a whole, the whole GMO debate is an ongoing one as well. I mean, there's exactly. just so much going yeah, on yeah. in our world, our agriculture and horticultural world. Well, thanks, thanks for bringing that little subject to yeah, the forefront here, Yeah, thanks and good luck with that, Andy. Let us know how it goes. You're welcome. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye now. And I believe uh, this will be our final caller on the show, and it is Dawn from Toronto. Good morning, Dawn. Hi. Good morning. I've got a problem with uh, mildew on my begonias. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are in the sun, though. The ones in the shade are fine. <laughs> and they get an afternoon sun for a few hours. So are you sure it's mildew? What What do you see? I don't know. It just looks uh, yellow, gray, oh, gray on it. Mm. Um. It looks similar. I do have flocks in the front with um, probably mildew as well, but they're in the sun in the front yard. But in the backyard, um, the begonias in the shade are just fine, though. And they're the same variety of begonias? Um, Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Now, okay, so let's think about this. So they're showing like a powdery surface on begonias that are getting late afternoon sun or afternoon sun, which tends to be a very hot sun. If anything, I was thinking you were going to say the leaves were yellow and, you know, looking like they might have some kind of a disease. And I would sometimes begonias will get sunburned with that hot afternoon sun blazing down. Um, what? They're under a tree, I assume? Um no, they're they're just out on a on a on a bench. Oh, okay, on the bench in a pot. Sounds, in, in pots. Yeah, sorry. in pots. Huh. So showing mildew now. I'm just assuming it's mildew. It's like a fuzz, not a. It's just blotchy, kind of all over the leaves, and it yeah. looks like. Like it, it is it the do you notice is it the older leaves more than the younger leaves or is older. it older? So what I would do is. <clears throat> Um, take away, like, get out your little scissors, cut away all the older leaves that are not looking well. Because remember, with any mildew or any kind of fungal disease of any kind, it's all about good garden hygiene. We have to be tidying up and ensuring that those spores that are on some of the debris and is, is killing some of the foliage are not left on the ground or left in the area to reinfect any of the healthy leaves. So trim and clean and get that all out of the way. Could you move those containers to a different spot? Oh, sure. I don't want to contaminate the others, so I'm afraid to move them. Yeah, I mean, maybe... It's not because they're in the sun, then. No, it could, maybe it's a wind thing. Maybe it's just really, really dead air where they're sitting. Maybe they just need a little more air circulation. Oh, okay. uh, Might make a difference. So, you know, a little bit of sun is not a bad thing. Begonias will take a little bit of morning, a little bit of afternoon, hour, two, three, up to three hours would be fine. But, yeah, you want to avoid most begonias in full sun all day because they would just turn toasty yellow. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe get them out into a little more of air, a little more of an open situation where they get a little more circulation of air. Okay, that could be it. There is a, there's, there is a tree uh, further on in a very high fence. Maybe mm-hmm. it's blocking the wind. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Thanks for joining the show, uh, Don. And hey, welcome anytime here to AM 740. Been an interesting show. I mean, we have gone all over the map. Yeah, for sure. We have talked about diseases. We've talked about edible things. We've talked about just all kinds of stuff. Uh, Garlic. I'm like, I love garlic. I know. You know, I'm going to bring you one of my amazing uh, bulbs that I dug up last weekend. Really nice. They're hanging right now, right? You hang them to dry them for a couple weeks. One of our favorite meals at home is to have spaghetti with your garlic favorite. and butter. Oh, I know. That's your, that's your comfort pepper, food. Fresh pepper on top. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Look out. 
Love yeah. it. And, th- and then you don't see anybody for about a week. Ah, it's okay. It's, nobody <laughs> wants works. to see you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Worst thing is to get on the elevator. You know, just after <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, got to cover your mouth. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go home, and um, this week I'm going to harvest some basil and make pesto. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm on pesto duty. So that's my, that my job. Good? James yeah. is going, yeah, yeah. he's starting to drool. Talking food here. All right. <laughs> We're getting hungry. All right. And you, what are you doing today? Well, I'm uh, going to have a little break between now and 2.30, but mm-hmm. I'll be back with James and we'll have fun this afternoon. All sorts of goings on. And of course, the CNE is open, so we'll be talking a bit about that. Oh, okay. So you're going to check out the CNE today? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of people there when I was headed by this morning. Yeah, yeah. Already. At 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. It's a happening place. Well, they got deep fried something, so I yeah. guess you know we want to check that out. <laughs> There's a turkey burger they've got out now. I think it's a turkey. Not deep fried, right? I hope. Well, oh, geez. Well, could be. I mean, <laughs> deep wow. fried candy floss. That's what we need. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you everybody for all your great calls. Thank you, James and Frank. You guys are great. We'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.